0: Welcome to Wealthy Muslim Woman Podcast. You're actually my first male guest on this podcast. Thank you for being All here. Right. Really, <laughs> thank you for being here. I'm really honored. I'd like to tell you a little bit about my uh, my podcast and what my goals are before I ask you to tell us about yourself. So my podcast is called Wealthy Muslim Woman, and my biggest goal is help a woman achieve wealth in terms of money by investing through stock market and other other avenues. But I always teach that wealth is abundance of valuable assets. And the biggest assets we have in this world is time, not even the richest man on planet can buy more time. But even more important than that is our relationships, our relationships with uh, with our community, with our own family. And uh, um, money helps us get there. So money helps us to buy time and time that we can invest with our family, with our friends. So, ultimately, the biggest asset, the biggest wealth we have, is time and our relationships. we We are social creatures. we are we always need to have that social connection, that nurturing bond that we need to build. so that's that's how I came across your uh, your TikTok channel on you speak about marriages and building that relationship. so that that was the reason. For the connection, that wealth is our relationships. That's the biggest asset we have. So, Saif, tell us all about right. yourself. What do you do and everything?
1: All right, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, rasulillah. First of all, I'd like to thank you for having me on your podcast, and I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to make this a benefit for everyone listening. Right. Uh, my name is Saif Murad. I'm from Toronto, Canada. My wife is from Louisiana, United States. Uh, Alhamdulillah, we've been married for over seven years now. And we have two kids, uh, a boy who is almost five and a daughter who is nine months. And I recently uh, graduated from the Islamic University of Medina. I finished my master's there in educational leadership. And I had done my bachelor's in Islamic law. Wow. So one of the things I was uh, really interested in was in personal development and also looking at it from an Islamic angle. Uh, and this led me to, you know, to go into uh, leadership as a thesis topic. And uh, while I was doing this, you know, people would consult me in regards to different issues, you know, the, and marital issues. But the questions were more like, okay, what's the ruling on this? And is my right like this? You know, so these kind of questions which I didn't feel was was helpful for them and for their marriages. And people, you know, we get married, we're excited, we want to enjoy this level of fun and and you know, this relationship with our spouse. But many times, you know, people get married and they're not enjoying that which they had expected to enjoy. So this led me to kind of really dive into uh, life coaching get certified in it and looking at it from different angles and also looking into marriage coaching. So I was able to do extensive reach, research in this field. from so I'm looking at it from a coaching standpoint, from a therapy standpoint, from books written by men, uh, books written by women. Okay. So uh, pretty much to get a complete picture of, uh, you know, mar- like marital relationships and looking at it from different angles. And then I also was doing an extensive research based on the Quran and Sunnah on these principles because all these principles we find within our religion to begin with. And to kind of learn that, okay, how can we apply it within our lives and within our marriages to enjoy that level of marriage that we initially had set up to go towards. And this led me to uh, create a program called the Beautiful Marriage Program, which is based on spiritual development and you can squeeze it in with life coaching. And then also add in marriage coaching as well. So we're looking at it from a holistic perspective because many times a lot of marriage programs they only focus on that one dimension. And you can learn all the skills you need, but if you're not growing on an individual level and on a spiritual level, what guarantee is there that we're actually gonna go out and apply these principles within our marriage.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really important to talk about these issues now, and especially coming from a male educa- educated in both Islamic and Western perspective. I believe we, we are in kind of marriage crisis, especially in the West right now. I know the Western marriage, the divorce rate had been around 50 percent before. And I, the recent statistics I was looking at, um, I don't think we have an accurate number uh, because of the way the numbers are done, but there are scholars who are estimating that our numbers are actually getting above even that 50%. And I think we're in marriage crisis on both ends. First is trying to get married. So th- there are women who are educated, they have high degree and aspirations, and then they're having trouble finding a spouse that they're compatible with and can get married with. And then on the other hand, uh, the divorce rates are climbing. So any idea how we're getting here and what's happening and how can we fix this?
1: All right. So in terms of looking at like divorce rates, why it's so high, there's actually a statistic that said that a divorce occurs in America every 36 seconds. Wow. You know, and divorce is actually a huge industry in, in America. It's like a billion dollar industry but to understand how we got here we have to kind of go back a little bit you know so within the western context uh, before marriage was more like uh, you know like two people get married and the main reason is because so the man has somebody to take care of his needs and the woman has somebody to protect her you know so anything additional if you look at maslow's hierarchy of needs was a bonus you know the love and uh, self expression these things were bonuses but they were not really what was uh, first sought out then if you go to the 1920s within the West, it became more of a love marriage. In the context that it was still a, what we would consider a traditional marriage. So the man was the primary earner and the woman, she would stay at home and look after the, the, the needs of the home. But they chose this from a love perspective. So now you move up the ladder a little bit where it becomes, okay, the primary reason we're getting married is to, to experience that love together. Now you fast forward even more, and if you look at within the last 50 years, the biggest change that's happened in society is the role of women in society. Women have become educated. They are earning now, Mashallah, you know, uh in some instances, they earn more than their male counterparts. Uh, so you have this uh, new age of women coming into society, coming into the workforce, and that's changed the marriage game as well. From a Western perspective and also from a Muslim perspective as well, because now she's not just looking for somebody to take care of her financially because she can do that by herself, but she wants that somebody's there for her emotionally, somebody there to keep her safe, to enjoy, you know, conversation and so on and so forth. And this also from a man, from a male standpoint as well, that we're entering into marriage with much higher expectations than before. So some authors have actually written about this, like the book, All or Nothing Marriage, uh, The New Rules of Marriage. So they've talked about this, that okay, now that the expectations have gone up, you have to be willing to play at that level in order to enjoy that marriage. But if we have these dreams and aspirations, but we're not willing to put in the effort, then nothing is going to change. And it's similar to uh, like what you're teaching as well. And in any field, that if you want to go after like financial freedom, for example, you can't just have a dream. You have to actually take action behind it. So I would say that's the first reason why there's issues. Because from a Western standpoint, now you're going into marriage. You're not looking just for love, but you're looking to become your best self. You know, so that self-expression you're looking to find out. And if it's if you're not getting that within marriage you know, forget it, I can go and, uh, you know, I don't need to be within the marital bond to enjoy sexual intimacy, I can do it outside. But for us as Muslims, we can only do it within that bond. But we still have these uh, expectations, but we're not willing to play at that level. The second thing I would say is we don't understand the different needs that our spouse has. And we don't understand their rules behind it. Because many times we hear that, you know, and we have uh, Husn good expectations, good thoughts about our brothers and sisters that they say that, you know what, I actually did everything I could possibly do. And yes, you probably did. But the thing that is lacking is we didn't do what that person was expecting us to do. We're kind of just guessing through it. And it wasn't because, you know, there's people receive love in different ways or their expectations are different and we're not meeting them according to their needs. Another thing is we're not meeting We're not applying Islamic principles within our religion, within our marriage. You know, uh, putting Allah subhanahu wa taala first, being just, so on and so forth. We approach it from a selfish angle, and we're not learning the skills. Because if we want to enjoy this kind of marriage, it requires a skill set. So we're not willing to learn that skill set, and then on top of that, actually have the courage to go out and apply it in order to build that marriage. And if you look at from from a singles perspective. That it has become very um, you know it is a crisis as well that okay, they're unable to find spouses. But one thing that I would give like advice for for people who are single who are trying to get married is number one, to become clear on what what you want. You know to know that, okay, this is what I'm looking for in the marriage, this is what I want. I'm clear on that. And you want to kind of be flexible on your non-negotiables or your yeah, you're non-negotiable you need to be kind of less then be f- uh, flexible on the other areas. And number two is, okay, why do you want this? Like what kind of marriage do you want? What's your reason behind it? And the third is, who do you need to become in order to enjoy that level of marriage? Because when we naturally take on that identity and become that kind of individual, we're naturally going to attract a spouse of that caliber. But if we have yeah. all dreams and no action, then we're not going to, and it has to be like a proactive approach, you know, so to get into proximity, and not be afraid of getting rejected, you know, that doesn't mean that we're not good enough, it just means that we just have to keep on knocking on doors, and we have that reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he is going to make it happen for us.
0: Inshallah. It's interesting that you brought up these points that, you know, how the society has changed, and how women are more career-oriented now, and 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 that all has Know, complicated things. But I feel like Islam that we had, the teachings that we have, was way advanced than even today's era, right? Like the biggest example that we have is of Prophet ﷺ and his marriage to Hatija when she she was the business owner and she had her own career. And uh, he uh, was employed by her. And then the loss of that companionship that's regarded as one of the biggest loss for the Prophet sallam, that when khadija passed away, that they had such a beautiful friendship, the connection that they had together. She was his biggest supporter that, that he sallam, had. So all those qualities that we are looking for now in this modern age we kind of see those in our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and his wife and, and with Hadijah and even with Aisha, uh, who was also a strong uh, example in history. So I feel like we somehow lost that in between and we need to go back to the, back to the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and go back and look at those times. Like we need to go back to the roots that we had actually, instead of, you know, it's like a modern problem, but it's kind of originated somewhere in between. The example we have historically is that we see everything that they had, like companionship, you know, strong female examples who were working. So,
1: uh, so now that these expectations have risen in the West, and it's uh, obviously even for us as Muslims, as well, it doesn't mean anything. Just because women are going in the workplace it doesn't mean anything. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the get-go, he's already called us to play at a high level and there's this one key verse that comes in the quran where he says and live with them in goodness and this goes for both people for the husband towards his wife and wife towards her husband as well and ma'ruf here goes back to from the meanings of it, it goes back to culture so now that the culture of marriage has changed that means we as muslims need to step up as well and bring that as long as it doesn't go against our islamic principles Right? So that's number one. And number two, it also goes back to the meaning of ihsan, which is to go beyond what is expected of you. So this becomes a non-issue when we play at that level because then you know we, we want to enjoy that level. We have that companionship. And the Prophet his example is like universal. You take principles from his life in every area they're applicable. In every era, it doesn't matter how marriage shifts, that's like the source of what a beautiful marriage looks like. To derive those principles and actually apply it within our own lives.
0: Yeah. And why is marriage considered so important? So one reason, obviously, is procreation and, uh, you know, the, the raising the next generation. But there's a lot of emphasis on marriage in Islam from the Quran, from Hadith, that's considered to complete your your deen. What are the reasons why is it considered so important other than the next, gen- reason, the next generation? I guess.
1: So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's described marriage in the Quran. And we hear this verse all the time when we go to a, a wedding, you know, that for, from his signs, from his signs is that he has created for you from yourselves, spouses. So in a way, we, he created us for one another, to live with one another. Now, the reason behind it, and this is like the, what marriage is supposed to be. So that you, and we translate this as, so that you may live with one another. But another meaning is, so that you may find tranquility in one another. And also, he's the one who's put that mercy, compassion, love between two people when they come together. So we notice that, you know, usually in the beginning of a marriage, we witness this, that, you know, the, marriage, we can't wait to go home to our spouse, you know, we find that comfort and Allah put that love, you know, we're showing love, we're being merciful and so on and so forth. And when we witness this, we know that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the thing is, this is like the default state of a marriage where it always should be. You know, Allah designed marriage to be this. Now, if there's something going wrong here, that means there's a shaitani influence there. So we have to always be kind of mindful that okay you know if i'm not experiencing this level of marriage what's going on here you know where are the holes that i need to plug and in order to stay at this level it takes a proactive approach many times we get into this you know we know what we don't want so we can react it that happens but do we actually know what we want what kind of emotions we want to experience what kind of what kind of conversations we want to have, you know, what needs are we trying to meet? But this requires us to take a proactive approach to our marriage. And not only that, but to become a source of tranquility, to become merciful, to become compassionate. The Prophet ﷺ, he said in a hadith that, uh, you know, that knowledge is gained by learning. Uh, to be forbearing is by practicing forbearance. You know, so if we take this principle, you know, we we bring tranquility by become a source of tranquility. We bring, we become compassionate by practicing it. We become merciful by practicing it, and most important, we become loving by showing love. You know, and then for the second part, where it comes to uh, where marriage is half your dean. So this hadith there's actually dispute between scholars in regards to its authenticity, many scholars actually said that this is actually not authentic, but some of them have said that no, it is actually hadith, authentic, but the meaning is correct. And Imam qurtubi he gave the example that when a person gets married, they complete half their deen because the source of dis- destruction is two- twofold. The first is through the person's tongue, you know, by backbiting, slandering, you know, using bad language and so on and so forth. And the other source is through their sexual organs. So this is a source for destruction for this person. So when they get married, they close that door. where that aspect has been taken care of. And now they can focus on, you know, growing together and making sure that, you know, they don't, uh, they're not backbiting and so on and so forth. So that's the concept of how it uh, covers half the deed
0: okay beautiful um how can we start to recognize when problems are arising so i know you uh, i think you trained in gottman method as well and for those who are not familiar dr gottman and his wife are these researchers that started back in the 70s and they've done decades of extensive extensive research where they had set up labs that looked like apartments and had couples come and live there and they're, videotaping them and observing basically everything that they're doing, and they've come up with with extensive research on when things go wrong and how to fix them. So what are some of the signs? I think one of the things he has is for horsemen in a marriage, and I think that's once those are there, that's the end. It basically means the relationship is not fixable, but I'll let you speak more on that because I'm not too knowledgeable on it.
1: Uh, so, uh, Jazakallah Khair, you explained it actually very well in terms of what he's done, you know, the extensive research, kind of see that, okay, you know, the people who have healthy, good marriages, you know, what qualities they have, what things are they implementing, and what are predictors of divorce. So, he's able to sit down with a couple for 15 minutes and just observe them, the way they interact, and kind of predict at a 90% rate whether or not they're going to end up getting divorced. And one of the main things that he looks for, some of the things he looks for is uh, harsh startup. You know, how do they initiate their conversation? Is it like kind or is it like very harsh and, and rude and insulting? And another thing is the force four horsemen. So this is uh, criticism. This is when we are attacking the person directly, not instead of talking about the situation, we're attacking the individual, their personality, that you always do this, you never do this. And the second thing is contempt. And this is, you know, you're looking down on the individual, you know, as if you are better than them. You know, this person is not worth your time. So that's another very, very, and this is probably like the most uh, serious indicator. Because when you don't have respect for that individual and looking down on that person, how do you expect to live with that? Yeah. And the third thing is being, becoming defensive. That instead of trying to listen to what the person is saying, we're trying to be like, no, this is because you did this and so on and so forth. And fourth is stonewalling. And this happens when a person is like emotionally flooded, where they literally their 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 heartbeat per minute, you know, goes up to a very high level where they can't uh, you know, have normal conversation. So it usually happens in men a lot where they just shut down and you can, you know, they're just looking at you, but really they're not doing anything. So some of the antidotes he mentioned to it is number one for criticism is to have like gentle startup. You know, it's like yes, you are upset. There's something going on that's not being met. So where to bring it up is use uh, I statements. You know, describe how you feel instead of what the person is doing. So you describe that I feel, uh, you know, I feel upset or I feel frustrated, for example. And then you describe the situation because maybe you know the house is untidy, for example. This is frustrating me and we have guests coming over and the house is untidy and then you make a polite request that what would uh, turn it around that I know I would really appreciate it if you would help me out on this example. Uh, And then for contempt, the antidote is to build that fondness and admiration, you know, to remember, like the good qualities of your spouse. Uh, For defensiveness is to take responsibility, even for both people to take even a little bit of responsibility that you know yeah I, I was upset. You know, I was tired that led me to, you know, react in this manner, so on and so forth. And stonewalling is where the antidote becomes, you take like a time out. You're like, you know what, I'm really emotionally flooded right now. I don't think I can have this conversation. Let's just go cool down and resume this conversation within 20 minutes. Uh, in his book, The Seven Principles to Make Marriage Work, he mentions the secret to a happy marriage. And he said, based on observation, he said the couples who have a happy marriage, it's not based on like the big gestures that they do, but it's based on the regardless of the negative interaction because every marriage is going to have like negative aspects to it. But they're able to see the positive in their marriage. They have a positive outlook of their marriage. He's like, that's the, the key, like the secret to a happy marriage where we view our marriage in a positive light. And this is actually amazing because it actually goes back to a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he said that the believing man does not hate believing woman and for both people, you know, that if he is displeased with something, he focuses on that which he is pleased with, you know? So this is like that, the principle at play right here that, yes, we might not like a certain something about our spouse, but we try to focus on the positives and the positive becomes not just like one thing, but like you overcome it by focusing on five, 10 things. Until that becomes like okay now you're able to see the positives and then actually show appreciation towards your partner for these positive qualities that they have. Nice
0: yeah. Yeah, that's what I recently realized. A lot of my studies have been more from psychology and philosophy, everything from Western perspective, but I'm starting to read more from uh, Islamic and Hadith perspective and I'm seeing the similarities. I'm like, this has been there all along for us. Like this was already there, well, how did we miss this? So it's just amazing to make those connections that the examples have been really present for us in our own history, in our own community. Right. So, yeah, so talking about for coming from Islamic perspective, how what is the role of a marriage once you enter marriage what is responsibilities as a wife as a husband what are our rights it's almost like entering a contract right like it's almost writing a business contract where we we sign a contract and we discuss the, the nikah the way it used to be at least is you discussed everything financial responsibilities other things so how do we enter and what should be our goals as, as a couple, uh, looking at our responsibilities and our rights on each other?
1: So is marriage a contract? I would say yes and no at the same time. Okay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions, you know, uh, nikah or the marriage contract. He says, wa He's telling, you know, that the women have taken from you a very strong covenant. You know, this word is not used for another contract except for marriage and another contract that he took with the prophets. So it shows the seriousness of what it is. That a person cannot just go into it like, you know, I'm just going to try it out and see if it works out or not. No, no, it's like if you're going into it, you're going into it with seriousness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed these rights and responsibilities so that marriage is functional, you know. And, but the thing is, those rights is like the bare minimum that people should be playing at, you know, that makes sure that it's functional. And from the rights he's given is that the husband is responsible for the financial aspect of the marriage, you know, in terms of taking care of his wife financially, that she has a place to live, she's fed, she's clothed, you know, she's safe, and so on and so forth. Uh, from the rights of the, the the husband over his wife is that you know she is she should listen to him in that which is which is good in terms of what the marriage is, and obviously doesn't go in disobedience towards Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. They both have a right you know towards intimacy. Uh, they both have a right to you know to live with one another in goodness. Uh, one of the problems, and this is my personal view on it, that you know we focus a lot on like fiqh of marriage. That, you know what it takes to okay the nikah was the conditions okay, then the the marriage was the rights of the wife what's the rights of the husband. Then okay divorce what's the conditions so on and so forth and stuff, but there is an actual an art of marriage that we're missing. You know, and this comes from the verse that we spoke about earlier you know that to live with one another in goodness. And when you see that, you know, people are bringing out, this is my right, this is my right, this is my right, this is my right, so on and so forth, you already know that the marriage is on like thin ice. Because the foundation of a marriage is actually built on love and compassion and tranquility and mercy, you know, to, to go beyond what's expected from you. But when you see that, okay, the rights are being, you know, brought in and they're used as a weapon and stuff, there's, there's something going wrong. And it's probably going on for a long time. And you know, when we focus on these kind of things, we're missing like a big aspect, which is like the mannerisms that Allah has called us to play not only within our marriage, but also like within relationships and stuff. And if you look at like four hadith, one of the scholars he mentioned that I looked at all the hadith regarding mannerisms and I found that they all go back to four hadith. And now, for everyone who's listening, and for myself, first and foremost, that if we were to apply this within our marriage, how would our marriage look? The first is, the Prophet sallallahu a man came to him and he, and he asked him that, you know, give me advice and he told him, don't get angry. And he said, you know, he repeated, he said, give me advice. He said it three times, don't get angry, don't get angry. So this shows emotional mastery, you know, that we're in control of our emotions. It's not that we don't feel the emotion, but we don't act on it in a negative light. We're able to understand what we're feeling, but then we channel it in a positive way. The second thing is that uh, the one who believes in Allah on the last day, let them speak good or remain silent, right? So directly from Iman, he's saying, the one who believes in Allah on the last day, now he says the first thing, let them speak good. So speaking is the first thing. Silence is not the first thing. Mm -hmm. So this requires a level of skill and learning. Okay, what does it mean to speak good? Choosing good words, also the tone that we use even sometimes looking at that time is this a good time to have this conversation so the first thing is to speak good and if we're unable to then remain silent so it doesn't go into something that's unnecessary the third hadith is from the goodness of the islam or the deen of a person is for them to leave off that which does not concern them you know so instead of focusing on like gossip and what these people's problem is you know focus within our own marriage what's going to enhance our quality of relationship you know my responsibilities, my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, leave off, you know, like things that are not of benefit as well. So this shows that a person is always progressing and growing. And finally, the last hadith is that none of you truly believes until they love for them, their brother or sister, that which they love for themselves, right? So if you put it in the marriage context, uh, we'll just switch it off to, to love for your spouse, that which you love for yourself, but in the way that they want it. You know, and if we apply these four things right there, you know, it shows like control over your, the way we speak, our emotions, being proactive and taking a thing at the same time, you know, wanting good for our spouse. Now we're trying to do, we're putting them uh, first, we're giving them what they want. And this are like, these are principles that will make, like naturally make a marriage blossom and flourish by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
0: Inshallah. Yeah, I think it's good that you pointed that out. I think once we we start talking about rights and responsibilities, and this is mine and that's yours, we're already playing the offense defense kind of a war has already started, and we've let go of that first um, principle, which is really to love each other and to have mercy on each other, and you know just be there for each other. And that, that's a really good way to look at uh, marriage in general. But there are. Some uh, guidelines in, in Islam regarding the financial responsibilities. And I think one of the things is mahar which was used to protect women, I think back in the day when they did not have their own financial source. Can you talk a little bit about that? What, what is it? And I think there's two types. One is something due when you get married. And then another one, when you get divorced.
1: So mahar is something that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has legislated for the woman. You know, for to honor her, to show the seriousness behind the commitment. That it's not like you can just get married. Okay, it doesn't work out. No, there's a you know, there's like the the mahar that you put forth that shows desirability, seriousness, and commitment towards the marriage. Now mahar uh what has become usually in in like arab culture you find this where they have the muqaddam which is what you give up front and muakha but in basic culture we we might not have this per se you know we usually just kind of give it up all front or we have an agreement that okay uh, we'll give some now some later and stuff so it all it actually goes back to the couple that how they decide to happen that, you know, do you want it all up front? Do you want it after a year? Do you want it? Uh, so usually what now this muqaddam Muakhar is, the Muakhar, they usually stipulate it for to be at the time if they were to separate.
0: Okay.
1: So if they were to separate, then they would, uh, the wife would get X amount. And usually they stipulate like, quite a large amount to be Muakhar, you know, so that uh, like people don't take marriage as a joke where or they don't take divorce as a joke where, you know, just because you're upset, you kind of just throw it out there. Uh so this is uh, like the concept, but it, it's not necessary that has to be that way. We can agree to be all upfront or it can be delayed a little bit. Or what the practice has become now is that there's uh, like a like a, an amount up front. And then there's a mocha, which is usually at the time of death or time of, uh, of of if they separate. And this becomes like a debt that the, that the husband has to pay, you know. Unless the wife from the goodness of our heart she decides to kind of let it go. So now when you get married, you also have the, the contract aspect. And within this, you can have like conditions in place as long as it doesn't go against the principles uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you can't make something that's haram halal, you know. Yeah. So within this, like for example, if a, if a woman she wants to, you know, pursue her career or business and so on and so forth, she stipulates that, you know, look, I'm gonna be continuing that. And if the husband, you know, they agree to this, you know, this is like a condition that he has to, he cannot break per se. And even at the same time, say, uh, like, you know, like a modern age couple where both people are working, you know, they want to share in the expense of the home. The husband can, you know, request that. And if they agree and they put it in, then, then they meet that condition. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that, المؤمنون ala that the believers are upon the conditions that they place. And the most uh, important of conditions to be met, for contracts to be fulfilled Is that which allowed this uh, sexual intimacy that once was haram, now it's halal? So, those are like very important conditions for both people to meet.
0: Yeah, and it's okay.
1: And even, uh, like, even say they didn't stipulate it, they can always have the discussion and agree and come to, like, you know, that okay, what's uh, beneficial towards marriage? And as long as there's like an agreement, but like the husband can never force, like, her, his wife to you know to take up that responsibility because that responsibility is that Allah gave to the man to take care if out of the goodness she decides, because, okay, things are tough, and maybe, you know, like New York City, for example, is an expensive city, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Washington, Toronto, these are expensive cities to live in. Sometimes, like, one income is not sufficient. So from the goodness of our heart, if she decides to help out, she's rewarded for You know, it's like an act of sadaqah, and at the same time, taking care of, uh, like, her, that, you know, that marital relationship. So, so she gets double the reward. But once again, like, uh, like a man never forces wife, that, look, you need to go and work or you need to give me this much of your money. If she does that from the goodness of her heart, then that's, that's uh, fine, inshallah.
0: Right, And there's nothing degrading about, you know, a woman providing for her family and helping her husband out. I think that's another concept that has come out is when a woman earns her husband, it's it's kind of looked negative, especially in a Desi culture, like, and, and men can feel they have low self-esteem or issues with that because their wife is earning more or trying to help out. But again, we see the biggest example of the Prophet Salam, working for his wife, and he didn't consider it as a negative uh, aspect you know, in his life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. See, this is a non-issue, but it becomes an issue if there's an insecurity from the man. Yeah. So as because the role of uh, a woman has changed in society and stuff, you know, so the man feels that, okay, you know, once upon a time, he was only expected to take care of the financial responsibility. And anything else than that was was not his, that's not me, don't do it, you know. But now if he's insecure, then it becomes a problem. Yeah. You know, that's why it's very important that we always are growing spiritually and individually as well. So, yeah. because you have so much more to offer in a relationship, you know. Like she's not okay, she out earns you, what's the big deal? You can commit to different, make her feel valued, appreciated, understood, heard, you know, make her feel like like the queen that she is. And at the same time, you know, she reciprocates as well. So it's a non-issue unless there's an insecurity. Right. Then it becomes it can become like a problem itself. But as long as like both people they are growing spiritually, individually within their marriage and stuff. And, you know, some of the wives of the Sahaba, they had money and they would spend on their husbands, were poor, were unable to, you know, to, to take care of their families and stuff. So it's not at all degrading, per se. It's actually a lot of uh, reward for the woman, per se. But the man has to also be understanding that, look, don't have these insecurities and stuff. You know, this is Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la decreed this to be like this. You no, know? so do the other things that you can do for your family as well.
0: Yeah, and um, marriage is highly encouraged and it's a beautiful relationship and really encouraging Islam to create that and have that bond, but at the same time, Islam allowed um, divorce and I think it's one of the only religions that uh, allowed women to divorce a man and ask for for divorce and actually go to an imam and be able to uh, get a divorce as well. So a little bit talk about that, like what would be the conditions um, for divorce, you know, how how much should a couple try and when is it, you know, this is the end, then we should go our separate ways.
1: So in uh, in regards to divorce, it is permissible, but it is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he dislikes, you know. But at the end of the day, it's still permissible. And this is something that shaitan actually loves because the thing that makes him the happiest is when he splits up families. Now, just because somebody uh, gets divorced doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them. You know, that doesn't mean they're broken or they need healing or they need to be fixed in uh, or some way. You know, it, sometimes it doesn't work out. But when do you actually consider? Consider when you've literally exhausted every option. So you've tried your best. You've grown. You learned the skills that it takes to create a happy marriage. Uh, you've gone out, you've applied it, you know, okay, didn't work. You went to coaching, for example, or therapy, or you even got a mediator involved in stuff. And the thing is, when you grow and you grow on a spiritual level, on an individual level, you know, you're in a good place. Because if people are not uh, growing, and then these, the the realm of divorce is a nasty field, you know, when there's, when there's fights going on back and forth and so on and so forth it becomes messy. But when a person knows like, okay, what they're looking after, they're playing at the high level for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it doesn't work out because they realize that, hey, look, you know what? My spouse is not willing to change. They're not willing to step up. They're not willing to do anything. They just want to be selfish, so on and so forth. Then now when a person, when they leave the marriage, they leave on good terms. You know, because a lot of people, they stay in an unhealthy marriage because there's a fear, you know, that if I were to separate, I'm not gonna have somebody to take care of me, I'm not gonna be loved, or that means I'm broken, and so on and so forth. But Allah subhanahu wa all ta'ala in the Quran mm-hmm. that if they were to separate. First, before this, he said, Well khayr, that you know, always reconciliation is better. But he said, shuh. Well, but the thing is the nafs it wants its right. You know, it doesn't want to give the other person their haq, but it wants its right. But now if they decide that, okay, we're going to go our separate ways, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enrich them. And he's wasi, abundant, you know. So there's no, short, uh, there's no shortage of uh, wealth or abundance out there with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it should never be an excuse where we, this situation turns into a very nasty thing. If you look at like Islamic principles, or I'll mention a verse that the level that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling us to play at. So he says in the Quran, that if you were to stipulate the mahar before the marriage, and now you got married, and now you decide that, okay, I, I'm I having cold feet, I can go through with this, then she gets half the mahar. It's set for her, you know, even though they didn't consummate the marriage, she gets half the mahar. Unless she's willing to forego, or the guy is willing to give her the entire amount. And then he says, well, That if you for you to forego your right and give them the entire amount or or let go of the amount is closer to taqwa. Now, this is a key verse here, but don't forget the fadl, the goodness that you have between yourselves, because Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, He's. He sees everything. Now, look at it, let's look at it in context actually. You know, two people, they, they like each other, families get together, they invest this money, let's say it's a medium-sized mirror, you know. They get together, they, everyone eats, they have fun, so on and so forth. They go back to the hotel room and one of them has cold feet. You know, so you can imagine the, the emotions behind it. Right? But mm-hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is still calling them, tell them to overlook and forgive. And don't forget the goodness between you the question is okay what goodness they just got married how much goodness have they built you know so yeah. what about those marriages that have like five years six years 10, 15 years you know all, all that good and don't, don't forget it just because things are in a rough patch at this time you know and the key comes here that don't forget that and that know that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is overlooking you we unfortunately when we study marriage, we look at this thing. What happens when uh, you stipulate the mahar and then you don't consummate the marriage and you get divorced, right? We look at it from that aspect. But the key is this, the end part of it. But don't forget the goodness. Remember the good times. Then know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking at you. That he's going to take you into account. And the next ayah comes, ala salawati wa salatil wusta wa qumu lillahi qani'tin That be mindful and guard your prayers and the middle prayer and be stand up obedient towards Allah. The sequence of verses that came before this is all related to uh, to marriage, to divorce, to breastfeeding, uh, to taking care of a child. You know, when the care of separation happens. So, the, one of the wisdoms behind it, Sheikh uh, Tantawi, he mentions is because in the realm of divorce, it can get very nasty. You know, people their lower self gets the better of them. Which leads them to do things that they can regret. But Allah says, you know, have ala salawah? He puts this in there to tell them that if you guard this, you guard your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you'll always be at, you know, you'll always play at the right level. And Tony Robbins, even he mentioned this. He said that like, you know, if you want to separate, fine, but you don't separate until you've tried your best to light your partner up on every sphere. You know, all their needs, you've tried your best to up at like a nine, 10 or higher. And if it doesn't work you know you're two different people you have two different visions at the end of the day you still leave on good terms and don't leave as somebody who thinks they're not good enough or they're broken because statistically it's known that if a person divorces you know they're more likely to get divorced again yeah but when you grow spiritually individually you take care of all these things you're in control of your emotions so on and so forth you'll find now another partner that's more suitable for
0: you yeah, yeah. So divorce has become a huge industry, uh, especially in the US. It's over a $50 billion industry where literally a wife and a husband go on war with each other to see who gets more alimony, who gets more child support. And many times they actually end up, both end up going into debt, paying the lawyers and the court and the accountants and all these other people, they're paying them so much money that they lose everything that they already had. Are there any specific guidelines in Islam would, um, now we have women who are high earners as well in the U.S. And there are many friends who are ending up paying high amounts of child support to the father or ending up paying alimony to their ex-husband. Are there any guidelines in Islam? Like, would that be allowed? Should a woman be, after after they get a a divorce, should a woman be responsible for paying alimony child support? Or how much would the husband be responsible for the kids and for the ex-wife?
1: So in Islam, uh, when you look at divorce, you have two aspects. You, know, you have from the, the position of the husband, when he initiates divorce, it's called talaq. And if the woman initiates it, she wants out of it, this is called khula, where she's seeking the annulment of the marriage pretty much. So in both cases, the responsibility of the, the, the children is always on the husband he is financially responsible for taking care of them that they have a place to live that they have you know whatever their schooling the clothing food all all that so that goes back to the husband and that's his responsibility so it would be like not correct to like go to court and then force your wife to you know make these payments because she she earns more than the husband so islamically the responsibility allah subhanahu wa taala has given to the husband, to take care of his kids, not to provide for the the wife, you know, that's because she's not his wife anymore, unless she's uh, like breastfeeding. Then he, you know, he provides her, like you could say salary or like a fee for doing that. But, and if she's in charge of the kids, then obviously she lives with the kids and so on and so forth. And that falls under him, but it's never been where the female or the wife is, you know, gives like the responsibility of spending is on her to spend on her husband or to spend on their kids. You know, if it's a situation and this would be a rare, like in the States, that if she, you know, she's a higher earner and he's like, like, like broke, you know, then, you know, because of the betterment of the family, she would, uh, you know, step up and pay for the kids. But that's considered like, you know, an act of sadaqah, goodness from her and stuff. But in terms of like paying alimony and forcing her to, you know, pay for the kids and so on and so forth, despite the fact that he is working already, you know, he is an earner. Then that is uh, un-Islamic and it's not uh, f- not not correct. So, Islamically, whether the guy initiates the divorce or even the female initiates the divorce, the the conditions are different for talaq and fula. But that's like a different story. But Islamically, the responsibility is for the man to take care of his kids in both
0: situations. Okay, thank you. Uh, so, please tell us about your programs. How how do you work with couples? So, you mostly do coaching. But you are also trained in therapy do you do individual do you do group um, and how can people get in connect uh, connect with you to get help
1: so currently i offer a, like one-on-one coaching with uh, couples and also with individuals The thing it's easier to work with couples because you find out you know what their needs are what their rules are behind this and what's important to them and you can kind of make it happen right there uh, so that's always uh, the easier approach. And many times, you know, men are the ones that are hesitant to go seek help because, you know, for them, they take it on as, you know, that means there's something wrong with me. And they have this, we have this attitude that I can fix it, you No, know? The thing is, it's the skill that you're learning. Because, you know, the, the, the stigma behind therapy is that, like, you know, therapy looks like, you know, patient, uh, prescription, right? These are terminologies in therapy and stuff. So it makes it feel, okay, there's something. But I like uh, more of a coaching approach because coaching doesn't look at as if there's something wrong with the individual. They look at, you know, this is a skill set that we don't, unfortunately, we've never learned. There's no relationship one-on-one in school or college and so on and so forth. And even within our community stuff, you know, had the art of living a married life. So this is a skill set that we're trying to learn and we're trying to implement in order to create that marriage that we first sought out to experience in the first place. Uh, so currently, uh, that's what I'm offering. Uh, We're working on uh, challenging a group coaching program as well to make it more accessible to people and then also to develop a seminar where we can offer it to different communities yeah. so that it can become accessible to people inshallah within uh, the Canada, Canada and America and so on and so forth. You can go to my website, safemurad.com. you get more information there. If you want to contact me directly, you can. Uh, the best way is I'm on multiple social networks like TikTok and Instagram. i on TikTok, and sometimes the messages don't come through or I'm unable to respond to them. So, the best way if you need to get a hold of me directly is through Instagram. And my hand is uh, Safe, S A I F, Abu Adam, A B U A D A M or send me an email at safe at safemora.com.
0: Thank you. Any last words of wisdom for couples to stay together and try to make it work and anything related? Uh,
1: One thing I would say is like, you know, like for yourself as an individual who's teaching people, you know, how to achieve financial freedom and to step up and, and, you know, to become better, you know, The question I'm going to ask is, you know, what does it take to be the best? Yeah. You know, like what kind of effort needs to be there in order to be the best? Number one, the the mindset that comes into it. And this for us is like having that good expectation of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, having that du'a that we make towards Allah. The second thing is, you know, you need a system, a strategy in place which you provide like, okay, I know it's scary, but this is like the system that can make it happen. And the third thing is you need to be able to take action on it. Can't have the, you know, because you have two values where it's like you want to achieve that financial freedom but at the same time you're scared of failing. And most people will do more to avoid that feeling of failure than to actually go after what they want. But if we actually want to go after those dreams, we have to be willing to take action and smart action, not like, uh, you know, random action. And the fourth thing is to kind of learn and from if, you know, things don't go, okay, how can I readjust my strategy, so on and so forth. So in any field, if you look, if you want to be the best or amongst the best, there's a different level of effort that needs to come forth. So when the Prophet ﷺ said, خيركم خيركم لأهلي, That the best of you are those who are best to their families, you know, to their spouses, to their kids, to their parents, and I'm the best to my family, then say, so, okay, there's a different level of effort that needs to come forward. Yeah. So my thing is I want to make marriage easier for people. Yeah. So take out the guesswork behind it, where you learn the rules, you understand their blueprint, you know what they ex- exactly what they want. Now so we just have to build the courage to actually go out and give them what they want. So in a sense, we make it, uh, we're making it easier for them to feel all those things that they wanted to feel in the first place. So, and there's two principles actually in place that need to be there. Number one is that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does not change the state of the people unless they change that that which is within themselves. You know, so if both people are willing to change and grow, and the second thing is if they want that reconciliation, then Allah is the one who's going to make it happen. You know, I look at myself as a facilitator, an instrument to make these things, but Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala at the end of the day, He is the one who's going to do it. So if people actually want to change, want to improve, so on and so forth, you can always turn a marriage around by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala
0: inshallah thank you so much for your time again and I love this conversation and I love your tiktok channel I'm always like getting a lot of wisdom from there as well so thank you again
1: my pleasure is I really appreciate you having me on your podcast I hope it was beneficial
0: yes thank you take care